You remember the Ultra Kids, that high-flying superpower duo of Mighty Boy and the Melter. Remember their kids' superhero adventures? Well, of course not. There was never any such thing. We just made that up. Remember the real kid superhero teams? You ever wonder what happened to them when they started to get older? What would happen to them when they got to like puberty, when they became teenagers? Did they become teen superheroes? Did they go on to become adult superheroes? Probably not. Probably. Using our socio-cultural imagination, they probably wound up like most child stars, pill-popping, angst-ridden, semi-suicidal nutjobs with a good chance of being between 18 and 25 and doing 25 to 30. Talk about the comic. Oh, I'm supposed to be talking about Starlight. Starlight is a seven-issue comic created by artist Brett Weldell of Surrogates and One Fall fame, Greg Smith of Junior Braves of the Apocalypse fame, and former child star Travis Webb unless you count tap dancing in a tutu on Starlet Stairway on KXLY-TV Channel 4, Spokane, Washington, when he was barely a toddler. Travis Webb was never a child star. Pearl, stick to the script. Keep reading out. Starlight is a seven-issue comic that explores what happens when you grow up with superheroes and then have to face the reality of space pirate cats and transdimensional alien spider wizards. You think you're gonna get money for this? Yes. Just read the script. Nope. Uh, that's it, kids. I'm not doing it. Don't. We're done here. Just PayPal me your Venmo. I don't leave. I don't leave. Don't leave. Don't leave. Calm down. Hey. 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 What? what? Uh, uh, what the? I'm sorry. Hi. I'm Travis Webb. This is Greg Smith. And this is Bre Oh, where's Brett? You were supposed to watch him today. Brett Weddles. Wedelli. Wedelli. Come on, dude. Starlight is a seven-issue comic that we're hoping you'll back from beginning to end. Please look over our page and check out all the great things that we have. We have awards, rewards. They're called rewards, and we put together a set of rewards that we really think you'll appreciate. So take a moment, look over our Kickstarter page, and thank you for backing us. There's a lot of good stuff, and I think you're gonna like it. And Travis can agree. We're selling a comic book, not a car. Hey, please share our video and take us seriously. Thank you. We now join the following program already in progress. Yeah, oh, wait, you know, we should start recording. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is going to be good stuff. Yeah. yeah, actually, this is, yeah, this is, this actually is, this is, this is probably prime. Grady. Recordable material. I, and then I we love all go it. quiet and blank. Yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's my plan. That's my go-to. Oh, fun start stuff. watching an episode of Tiger King in the background. Okay, what? <laughs> all right, all right. What is it with the Tiger King? I mean, it's like that that has exploded over uh, over social media like in like the last 24 hours, it seems. I don't get I, it. I don't know. I, I, I can't tell you exactly what it is. People like it's, it. Well, no, it's it's just They're like bored. in the last 10 or 20 years, uh, the Tiger King character himself, the dude, right? That that stereotype of person, a, a gay cowboy, obsessive, uh, guns, slinging, drama queen, you know, all over the place, crackhead, right? Wow. That stereotype exists in the in, in, 
in our subculture and has never been portrayed well in film or television. So not only are we seeing that character portrayed well, mm-hmm. but we're seeing the absolute like perfect representation of that character by one of them. It's the best and the worst all put into one right. jello mold and you just can't tell- turn away. Right, because I was just telling my roommate, I'm like, I knew a guy who owned an auto shop garage that was fairly successful in Tacoma when we were teens, and it was him. You know, it wasn't exactly him, but I'm seeing, like, gay, mustache, like young boys, constantly talking about his guns, smoking the meth, you know, like, just, oh, my God, you know, constantly. And I'm like, wow, dude, somehow they found one of these guys and got him on TV, which is the one thing they all strive to have. So... Yeah. Wow, that's that's something. So I so I guess so the thing I'm not co- I'm confused about because I, I I haven't seen um a bit of this at all. I've just seen like the memes and you know people uh, uh talking about it. But isn't isn't this a Netflix series like like a true crime type of thing or something? Because yeah. I keep seeing people talking about like oh yeah she totally fed that dude to the tiger. You know I just oh, I yeah. Yeah, I totally. see that refrain all all the time. So. <laughs> I couldn't tell if that was just what people are interpreting from it and, you know, just kind of like applying their, their own fan fiction to it or if that's really what... It's fan fiction. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But, you know, it's 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 the, it's the same way. It's a lot like uh, the, the murder show. What's that show? How, how, uh, creating a murder. Or- right, right. But except that you're talking about characters that you know exist in reality that never appear on television. Man, you got to start the podcast because I'll talk about it from a storytelling perspective, which is these characters exist in reality and don't translate to page and film. They don't translate to media very often. Okay. And the reality of these type of characters is much more grandiose than anything was put on paper. <laughs> That's crazy. So, uh, so hard recommend then, because uh, I mean, it just just your description of the titular Tiger King is uh, is enough to sell me a Netflix. So this, uh... well, pretty much him and the the Tiger bitch, you know, like I, I... go ahead, <laughs> the, the Tiger. Bitch. I was gonna say I I, I the, his uh, his nemesis. Uh, uh, she's 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 almost like the uh, the the antithesis to to him. Uh, she has all of the same trappings, except for she does it for a totally different reason. Yeah, or at least that's what she tells everyone. Yes. And really, the more you watch it, the more you're thinking, yeah, she's doing exactly the same thing that he's doing, but for good, because she's a hippie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And you're like, yeah, yeah, this is the uh, far right and the far left going right at each other right there. <laughs> That's bizarre. I mean, so I I forget the Kickstarter. We could we could talk about that later. I I just think it's you can't fascinating. forget about the Kickstarter. I know. I, <laughs> I, I'm being silly. Uh, I, I I guess I should have also me- mentioned that I am I am aggressively uncool. Also, <laughs> just or uh, out of touch or whatever. <laughs> so it's uh, totally cool. But no, I just I just think it's really fascinating to um, extrapolate something. Um, that's you know, kind of, kind of nonfiction, but with like a couple writers like yourselves, kind of like unpacking that and kind of pulling at the taffy of uh, of this narrative that they've created. That this uh, this is an incredibly fascinating conversation. Well, well let's get back into the podcast. 
Or did we start? Are we recording? I think we already started. Travis, I think we've already started. I think this is a podcast within a podcast within a podcast. Pretty much. Almost like the Tiger King is a show within a show within a show. It's, there was a show within a show within the show in the show. It, I know. That's crazy. Wow. And that's where we're at right now. <laughs> the more you try to unravel it and get into it, you're already there, my friend. You're already there. I'm already there. I was yeah. the Rave King, remember? You were, and it was like the Tiger King. Maybe that's why I like it because it, maybe it just reminds me of the characters that were in my life back then. I mean, there were some ridiculous characters. Well, I think that's what, I think that's why people people like things like this is they can uh, they can personalize it. They can they can take the characters, even though it might be a little bit further from what they know day to day. But they could, like you said earlier, they can they know someone that's similar enough that they could tag someone from their own personal experience into a situation like that or at least you know like oh okay that's they can normalize it in a sense it's totally like my uncle he's crazy and gay and a cowboy and doesn't have <laughs> you know i mean i used to clean hoods in college to to pay the bills and stuff like that at restaurants and i we did uh like some large uh event hall and the guy raised uh, large cats as a um, as a as a hobby, and he tried to pay me in lynxes. Like <laughs> every time I go out there, every six months, and I was like, I can't, I literally cannot take a wild lynx home. I'm pretty sure my parents will freak out, and I need to pay for college, and I can't take a lynx home and then pay for college with that. I mean, I probably could, but right, was this over on the east side? Huh? <laughs> yeah, I'd go over. To oh the god! But, but but also but also so weird too. Like I mean like. I mean, at, at one hand, on one hand, I was like, man, I would really like a lynx because they're really cool. But on the other hand, it's like, these things will like, you know, you don't know. It's a wild animal. So, and, you know, it's, but watching this kind of thing, I'm like, was this guy like the lynx king? Yeah. I, <laughs> wow. Oh, that, that's so, profound. That's profound. Live from the Emerald City of Seattle, it's the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Your home for pop culture, Transformers, independent artists, interviews, Transformers, and stuff and things. Also sometimes Transformers. And now, here he is, the only Sonic left in Seattle, Mike Seibert. Hey, welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. And as you might recall, about, say, a, I don't know, just over a month ago, which actually just kind of feels like an entire lifetime and eternity ago. Um, I visited the Retro Emporium down in Kent and talked to Ann and Greg Smith. And during that conversation, uh, when Greg was talking about uh, his comics work, including Junior Braves of the Apocalypse, we talked about briefly teasing a upcoming Kickstarter for a new comic series called Starlight. And well, now that it's uh, we're in the middle of a pandemic, um, seems like as good a time as any to uh, launch a Kickstarter for a new comic. And I have uh, the writers of Starlight here with me. Uh, Greg Smith returns to Mike Seibert Radio, and uh, first-time offender uh, Travis Webb, the uh, the former Rave King, uh, joins us as well. Um, how uh, welcome to Mike Seibert Radio. Uh, thanks for taking the time to jump on and talk about Starlight and and Tiger King. Kings and, and all kinds of other cool stuff. Uh, thanks for having us. All right, so let's uh, let's set the scene. So, so Greg, 
Um, it's it's been a month since we chatted last, um, and a, as I mentioned, uh, the world was it seemed like it was a very very different place than it is today. Uh, what uh what you been up to uh the these these last four or five weeks since since you were on the show last? Oh my gosh, Mike! I it's it, we were pre- like when you last talked with me, we were preparing to uh, go to Emerald City. Mm-hmm. We were preparing to. Uh, pop out some uh, promotional stuff for starlight at emerald city for people roll that out so we could kind of grease the wheel because we'd already started all the pre stuff and uh, we were pretty excited about that um that was all on the horizon and within like i'd say 48 hours of recording maybe uh all of that changed and uh we ended up uh locked in our houses indefinitely <laughs> so uh hmm. we um we we've lost we watched a lot of different things change and uh as as i said the, the wheel was already turning on mm-hmm. this so it wasn't like we we said hey we're gonna drop this thing uh in the middle of this this uh this, this is the best time in the world to do this it just it was one of those things that uh travis brett and i had uh had been planning for quite some time and uh well as it is the uh the wheel of time turns Gotcha. Uh, can I just interrupt on that as Travis? I'm Travis. <laughs> yes, uh, please. We we did have uh, great. We we should mention that we we had a meeting and talked about stalling it. Yeah, we uh, did, and uh, that's also when we ran into uh, where we felt like we were a little backed into the wall because nobody wants to launch a dang Kickstarter during a pandemic. But um, uh, of the three of us, Brett survives off being an artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. He's a professional comic book artist. He had two big gigs with two major publishers, and both those gigs are now suspended indefinitely. So he has yeah. no other income. So when we had our meeting to talk about what to do, put it off, there's no, there was nothing else we could do and still help our friend Brett. So this was the best possible option for us was to just push forward and make this happen. Yeah, there was there was no there was no turning turning off the turning off the Kickstarter mm-hmm. once once you know he was already he'd already set up his whole entire this is what my this is what comes next phases and even even if we had any other contingencies it w- w- wouldn't have worked out that way it was or the die was already cast. Gotcha. All right. Well, that that uh, that actually answers a, a question. The first I was going to ask you about kind of the the timing uh, of uh, putting out the Kickstarter for uh, Starlight. And I, I guess to kick in my two cents on that, it, it seems like at a time where we're all stuck at home, uh, just consuming as much media as we can you know discovering uh uh new shows new music uh uh binging the tiger king and you know kind of kind of kind of you know kind of getting steeped into that that culture it seems like now is actually kind of a opportune time regardless of of the wheels of time uh to launch a new project because there there's going to come a point where uh these kids will watch all of the Netflix and uh you know it'll be it'll be nice to have uh the the promise of new content especially in comic books because uh I I don't know if you guys are are, are following the news on the comics front but you know uh, uh Diamond isn't isn't distributing new comics anymore and it just seems like we're we're kind of at a weird precipice 
on where comics are going to go uh, post uh, the pandemic. Um, you know, we, we talk a lot about, you know, how the world is going to be different um, on the other side of this, you know, how how we how we work, how we interact with people. And unfortunately, every conversation kind of has to kind of be through that uh, kaleidoscope. But the longest way of saying is that I, I, I don't think that it's necessarily a poor idea, um, you guys going ahead uh, with the launch. And uh, we're recording here on a Sunday, you know, uh, uh, several days after the Kickstarter has gone live. And you're already at a third of the goal. So uh, so congratulations on your uh, early results. And, and um, so I, I, I thought... I thought before we get uh, too uh, in the weeds and in the muck of like the technicality of, uh, you know, the the Kickstarter uh, rewards and the various tiers and the things that that folks uh, can get from supporting the book. um, I want to take I want to turn the hands of time back a little bit back to that conversation Uh, that I that I had uh, with Greg back at the Retro Emporium. We we only talked about Starlight for like just a couple minutes because it was still, um, as you had mentioned, Greg, kind of like in the infancy of kind of like the the big promotional push you were you were about to pack off and go off for convention season but but you left me with a with a couple tantalizing juicy teases that that made me excited to want to uh connect with both uh greg and travis here is uh so you had you had uh you had mentioned um ex childhoods uh ex child superheroes um, and kind of what they go through. Uh, you also mentioned rave culture, and then you threw uh, the the dollop uh, on top of. Oh, by the way, there's a uh, transdimensional spider wizards and space alien pirate cats. And I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa! Stop, 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 stop a sec. <laughs> I was like, that that's too much for me to handle. We'll have to we'll have to get back together and uh, and unpack that. So so that day is here. So I I guess. Yes. I, I have rambled enough and given um, uh, definitely enough preamble. I'd like to kick it over to uh, uh, Travis and Greg. And why don't you guys talk about, uh, I, I guess from Jump, what Starlight is. Give us the pitch, what the story's about, and, and we'll, uh, we'll riff from there. Travis, a lot of people have heard about me from, this, uh, about me, oh. from me about this, so why don't we let them hear from you? You are the popular one, so I will try. So Starlight is about, oh, uh, let me break it down even better than I have so far in the past. Instead of just giving you the normal elevator pitch, because I give that so often. Uh Remember when we were kids and you had kid superheroes, four kids? You know, they create these superheroes. And I'm not going to mention any specific brands. I'm not talking about teen superheroes. I'm talking about several superhero comics. One in particular was really big, but a couple others that I remember reading back then where the kids, there were kids superheroes and it was supposed to relate to kids and they had superpowers and some, it almost always be helped by an adult superhero later. You know, uh, there was one for DC or several for DC. And so there was a major group in Marvel and then there was a couple of like offshoot kids superhero concepts for cartoons and so forth. Well, what happens to those kids when they become teenagers and they don't get to play superhero anymore? And that was the premise. Uh, so it'd be like, um, 
I'm trying to think if anyone else has ever done that, right? I mean, it's very possible. I haven't read every comic on earth and seen every piece of media, mm -hmm. but you know, you have teenage superheroes and you have kid superheroes, but nobody, as far as I'm aware, has ever taken kid superheroes grown up this, as teenagers and said, let's take your powers away and remove you from superhero life and no secret identity crap. No, you just have to go be normal teens now. What does that do to you? Mm -hmm. And that's the original premise of Starlight. We have two brother and sister team that were part of a world of superheroes. They they did the big runs with the, the, the big superhero people. They were five and seven years old, you know, and they grew to be uh, seven and nine, right? And uh, during that time, they had powers. Now, one's a little bit older. He's an older brother, right? So he had a little bit more life behind him and memory behind him of being an ordinary kid versus a five-year-old. By the time she's a teenager, she doesn't really remember anything before getting superpowers before having super friends before being able just to hang out with, you know, Spider-Man like characters or Superman like characters, right? She doesn't have memories before that. So we have two different levels of trauma created by their past. And we want to explore what that does to a person to have fame at that level and that kind of fame and be part of that world, much like a child superstar or child actor, but with superpowers, and say, what happens if we have to put you back into public schools? And by the way, your parents don't know you had this either. Like nobody knows. It's your secret and you can't take it back. So it was a super challenging concept. And to be honest, uh, I threw the concept away 10 years ago. Okay. <laughs> Gave up on it. it. Yeah. And Brett actually brought it back uh, saying, hey, remember that concept you told me about? Yeah, like 10 years ago. And I was like, the one with the raver and the older brother superhero dude? And he's like, yeah, yeah. You know, if you wanted to do that, I'd be down to do that project. And, and this this was a discussion at where? At Burning Man, right? I think I think we were at Burning Man. And it <laughs> may not have been in the... All, all good things happen at Burning Man. Well, I don't know if we were at Burning Man or, or driving to Burning Man. <laughs> yeah. Or on the way home from Burning Man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Brett, Brett uh, who's our artist, he did uh, surrogates. He did... Uh, He's done like covers for Vampirella. He's worked for Marvel, DC, Image. He's had a series called The Light. He's been a New York Times. One Fall. One Fall, yeah, with, with David Walker, who's been great, by the way. I don't know if you, you've noticed that, great, but David Walker's like yeah. bumping us every chance he gets. Yeah, I love that guy. Super nice. Um, but uh, yeah, we, were, we, were, we may or may not have been at Burning Man having a really good time. And I said, <laughs> I said, you know, that's a really good concept, but if I do it, I don't want to have a raver in it. And his eyes just bulged out. And he looked at me surprised, like, what's wrong with you? And he goes, he's like, that's the best part about it. Like, that's a character that goes off in a direction, not just to be a raver, to have a raver in the comic, mm -hmm. but it's the result of that trauma that leads her to being a raver and leads, and, and you know better about that better than anyone. I said, oh, I might come back to it. So uh, then uh, we were all talking about it again. And, Finally, I said, look, I'll write the comic if we don't do anything with raves. Like, I can have a raver in it. I'll have the raver character in it still, but it can't be about raves, hmm. right? And the next thing I said is like, look, man, I don't want to rewrite the boys or Watchmen. Uh, I don't want to take the premise of, oh, look, it's a world full of superheroes in reality because that is so overdone right now. Sure. Saturation. It's super saturated, right? Like, like even even those DC 
shows that are on right now, like uh, uh, the Arrowverse stuff. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the CW stuff, sure. Even yes. they are treating it like <laughs> Watchmen. Those series are treated like Watchmen. Everyone wants to, wants to write the new Watchmen. And I was like, you know, can we just get them out of that situation? Like, can they explore this concept of loss of powers and regaining of powers and questioning of, of heroics, but in a, a trapped environment that has nothing to do with a superhero world? That's what I want to do. So can I have space pirate cats and transdimensional spider wizards? <laughs> of course. And Brett, said, Brett, actually, I'll be honest. I, I, Greg, I don't know if you were there. I, I can't remember how often you were with us back in the early days. But I, I Brett's think like, I came in six months after. Yeah. He just, he just looked at me. He was like, I'll draw that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I was like cool because i didn't want them to draw cityscapes i wanted to create a whole new environment to explore these concepts so that the environment is a, a world that's conducive to the conversation and the questioning of their situation and the ideas of heroics with two different characters one character uh doesn't care about heroics right mm -hmm. she just wants to be close to her big brother who is a hero in her eyes and that character, he is a hero in his own eyes, and he believes in heroics. He believes in, you know, avenging the downtrodden. He believes in those things. And then if there's one more character who, in there who's just an asshole that they have to save, who's not necessarily the guy you want to save. He's he's just that person. Yeah, yeah he's he's a he's he's the, uh, uh, the Geraldo Rivera. It'd be like trying to rescue Geraldo Rivera. You know, he's had some good points in his life. He has some good ideas sometimes, but he's not necessarily who you envision your um, the person you're saving to be. That's not the person you become a hero to save. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because so that's the story, man. You. <laughs> there you go. I I just blew it up, man. I, that's the longest time I've ever talked it's... about the overall story and most information I've ever given. Being quiet. Now. I, no, that's good. It... I, uh, Greg, you were going to say something profound. I'm sure that I totally uh, interrupted on. No, no, no. I was just going to say, like, the uh, I think a lot of this, um, the story, too. I mean, it's your people are right now uh, for Starlight, the issue one Kickstarter that we're working on. It, it's just the it, it's really just, you know, it's a it's an introduction to the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. uh, it sets everything up. But uh, the rest of the series is so much. Uh, there's so much meat in the into the story. And I think what uh, if, if you know, Travis, and you know, Brett, and you know, myself, we each had different things that we either wanted to put into the story or in some of what Travis might have been trying to avoid putting into the story just based off of his, you know, like he's like, I, I don't want to put this in because of this or that. Um, I think it's definitely like it, it, it's pulling back a lot of layers of, of, of ourselves and uh, of people that we know to put into something that's got a lot of uh, story that people are going through things and they need mm -hmm. this isn't just about us this isn't just about a story that um we all think is, is something that is is a great story but it's something that people out there probably there are people that need to read the story it's you know one of those types of stories 
Yeah, and I I like the way that Travis put it is that, you know, this is a story that hasn't been told. It hasn't been told and it hasn't been told this way. Um, I I agree with you guys. I'm kind of burnt out on postmodern uh, deconstruction of uh, of the superhero genre. It's like I either want to consume stuff that's not superheroes or stuff that's just flat out earnestly straight ahead superhero i i i yeah like i said i'm kind of burnt on the postmodern stuff um so that this feels like um you know a uh albeit fantastical still an exploration of very real things that we haven't necessarily seen portrayed in uh in another story like this um so before uh before we get too much further cuz I, I i would like to talk about the uh, you know, kind of the future plans for the series and kind of uh, get some uh, background on you guys because there, there's a couple things that we've casually mentioned that are references to uh, to larger things that kind of inform the story um, that I want to loop back around to and unpack. But before we get there, let's talk about the meat and potatoes of the actual Kickstarter and what we're here to talk about and what we're kind of dri- trying to uh, drive folks uh to uh to help support uh so this is for issue one of uh of starlight it's uh issue one of seven and um i i guess from there let's talk about um i i guess why kickstarter particularly for uh for um launching this book and then maybe then let's kind of get into the uh um uh, award tears. <laughs> See, I've watched that video too many times. Now I'm calling it awards. <laughs> God damn it! Awards, awards. <laughs> uh, but it's, it was, you know, just me being goofy. <laughs> um, let's see. So uh, the reason why the reason why it's going uh, as a Kickstarter, we we are in a very unique situation. Um, I would say that uh, that Brett, Travis, and I had uh, we had thrown this out there prior as a uh, as an idea to a couple different places that had interest in it, but uh, um, a request for you know seeing how it would go. Is that is that a a fair a fair uh, statement, Travis? Yeah, I mean we we had really good interest. Uh, we had two publishers, one. One was a person that's very famous and a very prominent yeah. editor mm-hmm. who I was, I got the email and my jaw dropped. I had to call you both because I was just like, holy crap. But then the there was editor a, called. There was, there, and the, but there was a stipulation as a change. Could you guys change something possible? Yeah. I, <laughs> and, I'm going to say, and, do you want to say it, Greg? What, what the, the sum of it? Uh, uh, could you, could you, uh, I like, I like the idea. I like the concept. I like the thing, but could you just take out the raver part? Because <laughs> so remember how I said I didn't want to have a raver in it. Well, we had, we had a big publisher interested, and in, they just said, "Can you make her not a raver?" Hmm. And the reason why is the gist of it, from my understanding, is you can have drugs in a comic, in their in in their books, right? You can have murder, violence, death. Have a character get raped as a reason for your character to become a hero, which drives me. But it's bizarre. Yeah, but but you can't have those things. You can't and have a raver. 
Ravers are, are just a step, a bridge too far. Hmm. And so we didn't want to change the character. And uh, Brett actually got a little bit mad when I was talking to him about it. He was like, don't they get that's the whole problem? That's why she's a raver? Like, and that's that's the main arc for her. Yeah. And it's part of that culture. And it's a it's a it's it's a cultural aesthetic. It's it's something that she is. It's something that she's part of. And it's what drives her part of the story. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it, it yeah. would it would seem very bizarre. And granted, all all I've seen is uh, the samples you guys have put up on uh, Kickstarter and social media. But I, I I would imagine that the Sarah character just would not work divorced from rave culture. You know, like in terms of like you know her look and aesthetic, that 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 doesn't make sense without that. So so that makes sense is, is for. Um, uh, how and why you would want to strike out and uh, do it independently. So let's so let's talk about the the various ways that folks can get in on this project and and help uh, get it going. Because um, I'm I'm looking through. I've I've got the Kickstarter up on my screen. We don't necessarily need to go through each and every tier, but if um, if you guys kind of want to kind of highlight some of the highlights, uh, as it were of uh some of some of the cooler uh rewards and reward tiers that uh um uh that folks can get for helping support the book say currently our digital packages are great <laughs> <laughs> yeah no time for delivery the comic's done so pretty much the minute you uh the minute you the kickstarter is over we're probably gonna send those digital copies right out that's awesome yeah you don't even have to leave the house yeah what <laughs> looks great on your amazon fire <laughs> but but the, the one of the realities, and we didn't get to really, uh, we we should mention this though, is hey. for the physical stuff that we're doing, and this is one of the things Brett wanted to really make sure uh, was was uh, highlighted is that we're we're going to go to local Pacific Northwest print houses or print house to have this printed for the physical issues uh, once that's up and running again, so that you can get a physical copy done here at the Pacific Northwest locally and sent out by us. So we'll be handling that aspect and, and working with local print houses. So it all in all, uh, the physical physical tiers help out the local economy, mm -hmm. keeping everything uh, back in and uh, just, you know, kind of working with the folks that need it right now that aren't in work when we can. That's the the primary reason we decided to keep the physical. Uh, that was another thing that came in in our meeting on whether or not to go through with this. And we were like, Brett, do we want to do physical copies? He goes, Look, man, the printer that I use is my friend. I've been using them for ten years, you know. And when his doors open back up, he's going to need business. So we've kept the physical copies for that reason. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, if we want to bring up uh, some of the things that that are big on rewards, I, I want to point out really quick something that I have lacked on speaking about enough which is Ian K, uh, who is a Happy Hardcore producer. I don't know if you guys know what Happy Hardcore is. Let's pretend we don't. Music. Okay, so, so if, you, if, you, if you think you know what Rave is, right, then you're probably at uh, like a Paul Oakenfold level. You know, you know some mainstream stuff. You get a little bit of that. They probably had a little dubstep. Well, that's about the middle, right? And then you kind of move up into different layers of Rave that gets deeper and deeper and deeper when you get to happy hardcore you're pretty much at the farthest extreme of rave music it is the my life 
is rave. I dress like a raver. I am a raver, 24-7 raver. That's happy hardcore. So mm. Ian Kay's an internationally re renowned uh, uh, producer for that music, and uh, I helped help bump his career back in the day. And um, <laughs> so uh, trying not to let my ego get out of control. Uh, Ian's writing a custom track. He was given the completed series because it's we finished it. This whole thing's done. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. All seven issues are ready to go. So he got a completed seven issue script and he read it. And now he's writing a track based on that script specifically around Sarah's uh, arc. So we include that in several of their rewards mm -hmm. uh, after a certain level. In fact, after a certain level, it just becomes an automatic thing. You get a yeah. copy of the MP3 of this track that's released just for this this uh, Kickstarter. So, like, just imagine having an awesome uh, music track to go along with the reading of this comic. That, to me, like, I, I love music. I love yeah. soundtracks. I love having... Uh, the awesome beat presence in the background not not in the the, 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 the but but the thematic beats and stuff like <laughs> sure. that so so listening to music while you're reading a comic book just seems so cool and and having ian k be able to drop this and and being part of that scene uh when i was younger and 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 when we were talking to him on our podcast i was like oh my god i know who you are <laughs> <laughs> so uh it was one of those things where it's like this is just like a dream come true for for you know that 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 young little rave kid yeah that's awesome and you know uh i i i would imagine that the the track and the music will you know help set the scene and you know kind of really uh, make it a more immersive experience you know, because, you know, you're you're listening to it, you're reading it, and it just kind of, yeah, it makes it to where you can, you know, kind of feel the uh, the narrative beats as uh, as we were talking about there earlier. That's a uh, um, that's that's really cool. It also looks like uh, Brett is doing some uh, prints. We, we did add, I think, just three other rewards that we should really mention here, which mm -hmm. is the hat, the special okay. script and the custom raver drawing by brett yeah that's going to be in the book so i mean there's other stuff there too but yeah, if i wanted yeah. to crown it it'd be the music the hat the script the special script and brett's custom art um should i bring up the hat real quick yes yeah. please all right i'm over talking so you know greg you can kick me but i literally just drank a pot of coffee before we wow. had this, this okay. call talk about this awesome hat because this right. hat is so sick so this hat is made by uh phantasm apparel and uh by by an artist named uh Grimilican. and they make rave gear and sell it in the northwest area and have for a couple of years and they're kind of a legend here so uh they were on the forefront of the the furry hat thing yeah that invaded rave years ago now uh a lot of their apparel is seen, you know, they're like they're like a mini version of Cyberdog in the Northwest. So Grim, they they love the comic again. They have a full copy of the script. And the hat's actually from Brett's design. So Brett designed the hat for Sarah. I had said she had a big fun hat on her head. Mm -hmm. You know, I was thinking furry with horns or something, you know? Yeah. yeah. And Brett comes back with his bun hat that's just a adorable if you look at so it so cute <laughs> so we sent it over to another artist 
and they were like, you know, I'm not, I, I couldn't handle this workload. You need somebody who does this as a thing. So hit up Grim directly. So I hit up Grim and she was, they were just like, um, yeah, I want to do this. And they made 15 of these hats signed and numbered. So if you're a fan of rave gear and you ever wanted Phantasm apparel, this is a custom handmade hat by Grimm themselves. Special edition. Yeah. And it matches up exactly to what uh, what Brett drew in his original design. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And and that just lends to the authenticity of it also because, I mean, again, rave culture is very important to the fabric of the story as we've already talked about. You know, there's there's been a couple obstacles where it's like, hey, do we need to keep this rave stuff? And, and for that, uh, for the hat to come from uh, that culture and for it to be so uh, well represented in the book. I, I think that's really cool. It, it's not often that you get um, that type of swag that's, uh, th- that's that authentic to what you see in the page. I, it's, it, it's a gorgeous piece. It's really, really cool. And, you know, it, it works well for folks that are, you know, uh, fans of the project. But, um, you know, I, I would imagine that this is something that folks could, um, you know, actually utilize as a, and I mentioned earlier that I'm aggressively uncool, but it just seems like something that you know, like folks actually participating in actual rave culture would uh, uh, would rock, and and it would be authentic. So I I, I think it's really really neat. Yeah, you know. uh, Grim already said they were going to start showing up to cons wearing their personal one that they made for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so, so Travis, you had mentioned earlier that you were uh, uh, kind of uh, over-talking a bit, and I'm going to lean into that and get you to over-talk a little more. One of the oh, things no. that, that we've kind of danced around um, and kind of implied and kind of nudged against a little bit is, um, I could you take a few minutes and kind of explain your background in history and kind of how your uh, experience in this culture and as a as a former promoter how that informs um what you bring to the storytelling of uh of starlight whoa uh oh, i always boy i fear this question i'm retired let's start with that one okay uh i retired i did well um i I've, i had a uphill battle in rave uh, i was a raver originally so so oh i better just say who i was so uh, I used to own a rave promotion company called Webworks in the Northwest. And for a while, it was one of the most powerful names in rave in the Northwest. Um, if you went to a rave in Seattle, especially say 2005 to 2007, especially, and in 2005, there pretty much wasn't any other raves but mine, you probably went to my shows. Uh, they were large, they were loud. Uh, they had altered from the existing rave culture, which I had been part of as a raver and turned into this bombastic, colorful explosion of, of outfits and lights and big set designs and um, had a lot to do with my the influence on me uh, of being obsessed with anime and comic books <laughs> and <Sure>. wrestling. <laughs> Um, so, uh, when I started out as a raver, um, uh, acid house was big. 
I'm much older than anyone knows. And I went to some of the very first early raves in the Seattle area. I'm still friends with some of those people from that era. Uh, you know, and I was just an ordinary raver for years. Um, when the candy kid raving thing started, I saw it happen. I wore some candy once in a while. Wasn't, but you know, it still hadn't exploded. People thought it had exploded, but it hadn't yet. Um, 2000 hit rave almost hit the mainstream. And then the media was like, Hey, these things are terrible. And things like the rave acts happened and it just got really messy. And in 2001, 2002, um, the raves, the, the, the main venue in Seattle closed and that was just hard. That was NAF mm-hmm. and it was, uh, it was there for closing day and stuff. Uh, anyway, so, uh, me and my little crew, we were kind of the extreme ravers at that point, right? Like we're all wearing makeup and fancy and, and we all went to a house party afterwards and we had this big thing and they were like, you, you, you should throw a rave Travis. And I was like, no, I am hmm. way too messed up to be throwing raves. Right. Like I'm how I'm how I'm almost like 70% of the time. right now. And uh, so I decided I would throw like three raves. That was, this is, this is the plan I came up with and it's completely <laughs> arbitrary, but at the time I was trying to sound smart, but I'm going to throw three raves and it's going to restart the rave scene and people can see how hardcore a rave can be. So I threw three raves at a time when people were celebrating getting 170 people to their rave Mm. and I was hitting 500 and then 800 and then a thousand and it was quick. So at that point, a bunch of other people were like, I'm going to be a rave promoter too. I'm going to be a rave promoter too. And (laughs) They were, well, I kind of maybe locked everybody out by finding a new venue that I made an exclusive deal with. So it was impossible to throw a rave anywhere else in Seattle, except for the venue that I had, which wouldn't allow you because only I could. And then I started throwing a rave a month and I worked hard to make sure they were safe, licensed, insured. Like I started learning so much. Every week was like nonstop calls about how, how do I make this safe? How do I make this legal? Who do I got to put it here? Who do I have to, you know, make sure is at this place? You know, for a while I had ambulances at the rave. I'm going to tell you, putting an ambulance at the rave is no different than not having an ambulance at the rave because first first thing, hardly anything ever happens at a rave. Okay. I, I, I know the media wants you to believe that there's, especially back then, that there was like kids dying. We were hiding in the alleys and stuff. That was not happening. I've been going to raves every weekend for most of my entire life with thousands of people hardly anything ever happened you would have two raves three raves five raves in a weekend in one city and not have an overdose for weeks months maybe a year mm-hmm. and death wise in all those years i can count the deaths on one hand related to drugs and usually they weren't at a rave you know um they're at after party uh i can only think of one case when it happened at a rave and that was under some extreme circumstances where honestly that promoter was in the wrong and created a situation by being in the wrong and knew better than to do what they were doing. And it was devastating. Mm. Um, and it wasn't a legal party. So yeah. Anyways, during that time I became kind of the, the, the rave King. It was kind of a joke and people still use it. And, uh, that moved on to me buying a building and then selling the building to throw raves in. And then I ended up helping to be a partner in a club that threw raves twice a month called motor 
And that place was just packed every weekend with lines around the block for Bravers. It got really huge. My own parties wouldn't even fit in there anymore. I had to rent bigger venues because I was sitting 4,500 kids per show. Um, and then there was the, uh, the, the incident, which got my name in every news article and TV station probably in the world at the time, uh, which was a, a, a mass shooting back before mass shootings were popular. I don't know how to put that. Uh, at an after party after an event that I was part of um, that involved some very good friends. And uh, we just coming off the anniversary of that, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, I was just, I just did that for a long time. Then one day uh, the club was closing. I don't want to go into the details of that. It was, sure. It's not as bad as everyone makes it out to be, but uh, I took my, I took the money that I had made my savings and it was like, Hey, uh, I wrote a nice letter and said, look, uh, I'm getting old. I'm going to go take off to Europe and travel the world. And I'm going to come back and buy a house and be a normal adult. I've been trying to do that ever since unsuccessfully. <laughs> wow. So there you go. You know, and unsuccessfully, he's doing a pretty good job. <laughs> I was going to say, but you know, for, for what I've seen, um, of where some of the story beats of starlight goes, it kind of sounds like there's, there's a little bit of similarity there in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, adapting to a new life, a new normal life uh, after a pretty extraordinary one. Um, do, is is that one of the uh, motivating factors for uh, for your writing into into the story? Dear God, I don't think so until you just said that. <laughs> <laughs> never actually... Oh, my God. Oh wow! Yeah, they you say can't... that you, you write what you know, right? So maybe yeah. I was oblivious to that. Oh my God, I'm Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're Sarah, then does that? Make no, that also makes me Chris because I would be. Oh. I'm also probably Roger. No, you wow, write what you gee. know. You, you write. I, I was gonna say I was. I was hey, Chris. I'm also Not... the transdimensional spiders, but um, <laughs> that's a joke. Okay, so uh, so but yeah, you know, you write what you know, and I, I think that probably does bleed into it. I think. I think that always leads into what I'm writing. I don't sure, know if it happens yeah. with Greg as much, but that's also why Greg got pulled in. Yeah. Uh, so we should talk about that. Yep. Uh, Greg. Yeah. I think at this point, if, if we have time, are we still good? Sure. Yep. Yep. Mike? Okay. Greg, explain how, why I had to call you and who I was. That wasn't. A, I think I haven't brought up the other career path I have, which is actually why I'm financially successful. Um, and Greg, if you could bring that up. Yeah. So sure. So now. So I met Travis uh, a handful of years back. Now thinking about it at a at a convention, and uh, he uh, he was um, a uh, he's a writing consultant. A, mm -hmm. uh, other names go uh, after that sometimes: script doctor, a fixer, a uh, uh, whatever you want to call it. But um, uh, as we became friends and 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 cutting it up over time about different things. Um, I was always interested to hear about all the, all the projects that he was working on that he couldn't tell me about, but mm -hmm. he could tell me about them. If that makes sense. You know, I always get, yeah. uh, I'm working on this project and here's the, here's the really like broad strokes of the, of the thing, but I can't tell you anything about it. And I was always interested in that. And, you know, uh, always, it, it was always neat. Um, but then all of a sudden he starts telling me about this new project that he and Brett are working on and uh, we made it for coffee. He's letting me read some of it. And I'm like, this is just a, this is beautiful. I actually start crying reading some, some of the pages because it's just like that. Um, it hit me. 
in a place uh, that I was like, wow, this is this is really a this is a really good a good story. If you know, I I, I really I really like this. I, I want to see where this goes. And then uh, a few months later, he calls me up and he's like, Brett said to call you. I'm stuck. And I was like, what, what do you mean you're stuck? And he's like, I'm working on Starlight and uh, I want to have you come work with me on this. And I was like, wait, I, to do what? Because like, it was just a weird, you know, for me, because like, this is this is the guy that he, you call him. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. And uh, um, it was a really cool opportunity to be able to, to work with a friend on something that one, I felt very moved by the piece itself and then also just like i was like okay these are these are two of my friends that I, I hang out with at shows and stuff like that and then to be called up and be like uh to be told um hey brett said to call you i'm stuck work with us on this and to to get that opportunity to work on this piece that just is like such a it it really is a is a is a fun fantastical piece and it and and as a it, fantastical in the sense that like it's there's so much reality based mm-hmm. stuff in it, but then there's so much like in the sci-fi weirdness of the space cats and the interdimensional space spider wizards that is like okay it's way out there, but yet you're still rooted in some some real life drama, <laughs> you know. So that's that's what that's like you know it just from my writing perspective like that's generally what I always end up liking is something that's rooted but also kind of on the on the the flip side weird um but uh so that's kind of how i got pulled into the project Mm -hmm. uh as a as as i've been working with uh travis on on this for the last i don't know travis how long we've been working on this has been it's been two years and i know it sounds like a long time but it's not like we've been working on eight hours a day every day for two years no a lot of a lot of phone calls, uh, meetups, and other things like that. And it's 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 we watched it change too. It's changed so much from like the original idea. I think you wanted to do it as as uh, single issues, and then a graphic novel, and then back to single issues again. And we've rewritten it two times to to yeah. fit those two formats. And, yeah, we uh, had to pull out the individual comics, move it back to graphic novel, which you helped with, and then we were like, well, we're going to go back to individual comics but we got to do it carefully this time mm-hmm. yeah and and like my my role is kind of like uh it's 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 interesting because it's like i've been being the the pacekeeper like okay this is what we're you know we're we're, we're making sure that we're, we're we're keeping it tight keeping the story uh readable right <laughs> because when, when we were writing it as the the first the when it was in the first series uh set up it was a lot of stuff that it, it, it flowed out one direction. We put it into the graphic novel, flow out in a different direction, putting it back into this to the new format that people are going to get. It it just it it needed to tell this story, and uh, it was it was fun to to see how much it grew into into this iteration of of various uh, bits and pieces, and kind of see how how a character that you really like, as Travis there saying you know roger he's that that weird uncle kind of guy <laughs> the, the geraldo rivera that you don't like right it's like when when we first wrote this when, when travis first wrote this guy and i first wrote this guy and we started playing with this character you really don't like this guy and i think by this iteration he's palatable he's actually he's actually you you, you kind of you're like you're like okay i totally know this dude i've seen him 
I've seen him at a family at a family reunion. I know this guy. I don't like him very much, but I play checkers with him. <laughs> you know. <laughs> he also has a really defined arc now, which he didn't have in the first draft. Oh, yeah, and that was really cool to to put out. That there. was a lot, you Greg. Actually, that's oh. you tore into the book and said, "You got to take this out. You got to put this out." He has to have a moment when this happens. That's that was a super helpful thing. Well, it was it, you gave me an opportunity to like to to drive some beats in some places, and I and I, I was really it was it was it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, thinking about this current iteration, and this just popped in my head, guys. But when I when I first started working on the project, it was about Chris and Sarah, and uh, Roger was this you know uh, what sort of uh, dancer you know like <laughs> yeah and now that it's over i would say the book in its final form really becomes a story about roger and sarah and their transitions you know and chris's transitions the the counterweight against their arcs do you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. he's their contrast that's that exposes those two characters going through their own arcs because yeah. chris is absolutely a superhero you know, he may not have his powers, but you know, he's named Chris. He's named after Chris Evans, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and, he, and he looks like him, feels like him, you know? Totally. Yeah, except him. he's part Mexican. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. I, I, I'd say, like, one of the things that when when I start when I started pulling this the, the bits and pieces of this out with you, um, I could see that the Sarah and, and Roger relationship had that, that real feel of a I don't know. It had this like bad news bearsy kind of feel to it to me. And I, I just, I made like Roger just feels like Buttermaker to me. And he's like that guy that you just like, God, what an asshole. But you, you kind of feel sorry for him because as you start to, to read him later, you start to feel sorry for him. And, you know, Sarah's got that. She's, she's kind of like, she's, she's just she's the she's the one that he's trying to you know he's the tatum o'neill that she's trying to he's trying to you know help out yeah um one thing i want i wanted to ask you guys about and you you kind of mentioned it um a little bit ago is the the different iterations of the story like you know being a graphic novel then then single issues then back to being uh single issues and back and forth um what what really drove that? Because uh, I, I, I'll i confess I was a little surprised when I first looked at the Kickstarter and saw that it was for uh, this Kickstarter was specifically for the first of a seven issue series. Um, what uh, what kind of drove that uh, to tell it in that narrative as opposed to, say, a, uh, um, a graphic novel? Costs. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. Uh, Brett, out of the three of us, Brett has to make a living, right? So he's a professional artist and he gets real gigs with real big companies. Mm-hmm. And that's his only source of income. Uh, Greg and I are both writers. We're both professional writers in with stuff like comic books, but we're also writers in, in, in corporate America. Like I write technical documentation for a living, mm. you know, I, yeah. I, I, for big, big corporations, like my LinkedIn, you know, reads like a, a pedigree. Um, and so we're okay. But Brett, as an artist, has to make enough money to justify working on this project and not work on something like 
something for Dark Horse or for Image or for Oni, mm -hmm. you know, sure. which are all big, you know, uh, clients for him. Yeah, and right now with the comic book conventions uh, being postponed and shut down, and uh, with with you know a lot of new new comics and other stuff being pushed out, uh, it's just the there's so many postponements, but the bills don't get postponed. So right, you know, people like Brett and any other creators out there that are in the same bind, uh, we have to as as our small little community, we have to look out for those who need that kind of thing, uh, you know, that influx of cash when they need it, and this is what we're you know. Travis and I are just trying to make sure that we can take care of our friend. Very cool. Yep. Very cool. So the uh, the the book is Starlight. The Kickstarter is up and is uh, up and rolling. Um, looks like it goes until April 23rd. Um, it is an all-or-nothing project, so it does need to make sure and hit its uh, $9,000 goal before uh, April 23rd. Again, uh, check it out at uh, starlightkickstarter.com and check out all the cool award packages. <laughs> and, uh, oh, and <laughs> it, it just is. I mean, I, I can't even shy away from it at this point. <laughs> I know. Um, it's, it's what it is. <laughs> so while so while I got you guys, because uh, you know you you were talking about the uh, uh, collaboration that you were doing on the writing of Starlight, but that's not the only project that you guys do uh, together. Um, I figured since we're all a bunch of podcasters, uh, let's uh, let's talk about some of the the various podcasts that you guys do together before uh, as we get ready to close out. Sounds good. Sounds good. So uh, as as Travis and I were starting to do the uh, prior to the Kickstarter, uh, we kicked around the idea uh, after doing a couple podcasts uh, prior to the Kickstarter about doing uh, possibly our own. And uh, I think that's when uh, Narrative Gunslingers was was kind of born. Right, Travis? Yeah. You know uh, that and we, we like tearing apart stories like that's how we got paid anyway. So <laughs> it sounded like a lot of fun. And it's been, it's been neat to have people come on and, uh, and, and talk to us about, about their stories that they find uh, inspirational uh, stories that they've read stories that they've watched uh, stories that they, uh, that they like. And then we, we have them walk us through those stories. And then we, uh, we, we kind of walk with them through the story as we, I, I don't know, Travis, what, what, what would you say we do? Well, I mean, it's there to guess leaders. We take, we take these guests who are accomplished creators themselves. I mean, one of them was the writer of a, a very famous IP. who's just huge. And we're like, Hey man, what story that inspires you and tell us about it. And now we're going to pick, pick it apart with you. <laughs> like <laughs> we're going to take it apart. We're going to see what worked, what didn't work. You know, and it's interesting because, you know, there are a couple of stories that have come up over and over again that are they're just, you know, they're the big stories that inspire people to go off and become creators. But like one story one time was a book we had never heard of from the yeah. 60s. And it was just it was hard. It was challenging to get there because we couldn't pick it apart. Yeah. Well, how could you couldn't not like it? It was one of those ones where you're like, not not like it, but you couldn't. There was nothing. It was just one of those ones where we were both like, we got to just go buy this book because we can't. There's nothing that we can't ask you to tell us to get more further into. We just have to read this for ourselves. Mm -hmm. This is a this is a solid. The, the the creator created a solid piece. That's that's all there is to it. Go and buy this yeah. book. 
Now, if you bring something something to us like Star Wars as a creator, you go like, oh, the reason I'm a comic book writer, or the reason I, I make movies today is I saw Star Wars. I got all day. I can tear that down with you all day. You know? like, <laughs> it's not necessarily that we're, we're tearing it down to... Great to, to, <laughs> to Well, no, but I mean, we're not, we're not shooting it full of holes and we're not tearing it down because we, we don't like it or we're jerks or anything like that. But it's like we're we're honestly like those kids that that like to tear apart that clock on the mm. dining room table just to see how it works and yep. then all of a sudden you know we try to put it back together again and it might not work there might be an extra piece or something like that or it might not work completely like it doesn't doesn't have the alarm anymore but it's functional no 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 that's not what i was trying to say we just are interested in knowing how and why it why yeah. it, why it works for you yeah, what do these gears do? What were these yeah. beats that got you going? What are these yeah. beats that made it successful this whole time? Yeah, because we want to know. We're interested. Inquiring minds. I, I hear they want to know. <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. Um, so how long have you guys been doing that for? Uh, uh, now that we've been locked in for a while, we've been recording uh, a couple episodes a day. Uh, for the past two weeks, hmm? we yeah, ten. We're about ten, ten episodes. We'll be putting an episode. Our first episode will be going up the week of the uh, the first week of uh, April, so people can can listen to uh, Travis and I narratively gunsling. Yeah, very cool. Now, um, if I remember correctly, uh, Greg, you you dabble in other podcasting uh adventures and i think some of those other podcasting adventures travis has been along uh with you am, am i correct in in thinking you're, that you're, you're very correct um i i am a co-host of nerds from the crit podcast we're a horror podcast uh my podcasting co-host is saul he lives in texas and our uh third chair slash intern uh now <laughs> no no, I love no it. Uh, David is uh, toggling between Portland and uh, and Tacoma. He uh, he might get stuck down in Portland <laughs> uh, for the for the time being. We don't know. Yeah. But, uh, we uh, we 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 basically talk about uh, various Kickstarters and other independent comic books and uh, and movies and TV shows and other things, all horror related. Um, and bring in other guests from various podcasts and stuff like that to talk about their favorite horror creations and see where uh see what they like about different things so it's it's a it's been a fun fun thing it was one of those uh this those podcasts that i was a guest on and stumbled into uh becoming a i was asked back uh to to co-host a couple couple episodes and uh i i never left i stuck around like a piece of gum under a table so <laughs> they uh they can't get rid of me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. It's been two, two, three years now. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And Very then, cool. And then uh, uh, most uh, most recently or uh, uh, shortly in the future, I'll be doing a, uh, uh, there'll be another, another podcast coming out called The Last Podcast. And that is with a uh, lifelong friend uh dan uh buddy of mine from high school we are going to be talking about uh just kind of running through our old long boxes together and uh talking about some of our favorite issues back issues of comics and stuff and how they kind of either hit us when we were younger and uh how they how they affect us now so you get to hear us nerd out over all of our favorite dc marvel action uh 
weird valiant comics and other things that we collected over over the time (laughs) nice nice very very cool very cool um let's see so as a as we get ready to close out uh greg you've already experienced these but you can uh you can feel free and chime in as uh as you'd like um but uh as we close out i like to ask my guests um uh kind of like a uh, a lot of folks have have come to know these as like the the straight up job interview questions uh but uh I'd like to ask you about uh, challenges you've encountered, uh, what your ultimate goal is, and advice that you would have for folks that want to uh, pursue their own uh, creative interests. And then to round things out, uh, we'll let you do another uh, uh, plug for the Kickstarter, get out any other projects that you want to mention, social medias, hype train, and all of that. But before uh, before we get there, um, let's start with uh, Travis, because again, Greg, you've already played with this. Uh, um, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, some of the the challenges you've had as a creator, and maybe well, uh, and maybe how you've overcome some of them. Ooh, well, I don't think I overcame any of them, honestly. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, one of the things the things that happened is when I left being a rave promoter, I immediately went into being a writer, and I got I got picked up by a monster agency as a writer, mm-hmm. and I allowed myself to be put into the writing consultant ghost writing slash screen doctor slash punch up guy uh for my agent and another agent as well and a manager so uh i thought going down to hollywood every few weeks and getting to meet all these famous other creators actors and writers uh i thought that experience was somehow going to lead somewhere and it, it did not in fact i think it held me back for a couple years um that's how I met Brett though. So, you know, like I met Brett when I was working on a major project and he was working, he was huge. He just got done doing the movie surrogates for Disney and stuff. And, um, it didn't. So, you know, for me, the over challenge was to overcome the idea that making all these deals and, you know, trusting these people to do the favor back to get me somewhere. Uh, that was the challenge because none of those Mm -hmm. favors ever came back in play. You know, uh, most of the people who paid me paid me though. So like, I got to check for ten grand one time for fixing a zombie film. I got to check for five grand. You know, like the the ghostwriting thing pays up front, right? Yeah. Uh, unlike most projects, but um, <laughs> uh, I I say if, if I was to tell someone else what to do, I mean, the first thing is is you need to be in the place where the opportunities exist. Yeah. Uh, even now today, that's going to be a problem for Greg and I, and it's a problem for Brett too. Is we don't live in LA or even San Diego. You know, we live up in the Pacific Northwest, and the opportunities here are not presented, and we're not part of that community. You know, uh, I have a friend who's very successful in Hollywood right now, but when he went there, he was pretty much homeless, and now he's you know he's doing great. But uh, he he told me then that what he was told before he left was you got to go live there for five years and not get caught up in any bullshit for five years before everyone will take you seriously and think you're part of that creative power that you have something in you that that's valuable to them. So if you really want to be successful as a writer or a creator, you need to figure out where the opportunities for what your dream is exist and go find a way to be part of that community in that environment. Gotcha. Solid, solid. And uh, uh, with that, uh, what's the dream? What, uh, what, what's Travis's dream uh, creatively? I just want to write crazy stories the rest of my life. 
I know I, I want to keep doing the the transdimensional spider wizards uh, <laughs> because oh, you yeah. know I probably worked on a hundred screenplays over like a ten year period. Now, I know it doesn't sound like a lot. Like there are guys like oh, I did over a thousand screenplays and wrote coverage. But here's the thing, man. Ninety percent of what I read was the same stories over and over and over again. Yeah. Written by an actor or an actress or some guy's cousin or somebody's assistant. And, you know, I think a lot of people go and they'll do something like they'll watch Game of Thrones and say, oh, I could write a better Game of Thrones. And they write their version of Game of Thrones. That's just not that great. And it, there's so much of that. It bored me to death. Yeah. You know, we were talking yeah. about Tiger King earlier. Uh-huh. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think the reason that's successful is you're seeing characters outside of what your expectation of a scripted show would be you're seeing things you can relate to in reality mm-hmm. and i think that's great because hopefully now some writers will adopt the crackhead cowboy gay cowboy with a gun into <laughs> their stories but after a while we'll start to see that character so frequently because it'll become a stereotype yeah that we won't see other new characters it goes back to the whole you know when you most writers when they write a cop they don't write a person they write a cop they've seen on television for 100 years you know yeah uh, right so i want to not write cops i don't want to write the doctor i don't want to write you know uh those i want to really explore new horizons i can't escape archetype uh, or you know story arcs right those those are those are not something that are easy to escape but what i can do is bring fresh original takes on those mm-hmm you know, so yeah, I'm gonna write crazy crap. There's, my next thing has giant robots, Burning Man, NASCAR, and it's a romance. So, <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. It's uh, it, it's almost like uh, like magnetic poetry, but it but it, it works. I and I I'm totally here for it. That's uh, that's awesome. Um, all right. So, uh, could you uh, let folks know um about the Kickstarter for Starlight? Anything we might uh not have mentioned yet? Uh, let folks know a uh, website where they can connect with it, as well as uh your own uh websites, uh, social medias anywhere we can uh, uh, catch up with you guys on the latest and greatest. Greg? Oh, I was going to, I thought you were going to jump right over. I was going to let you go first because I've oh, been such a talkative jerk. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm just used to it. No, I'm just joking. Uh, you can find me on social media at uh, that amazing twit on Twitter, GK Wordsmith uh, as well, or that amazing twit on Instagram. Uh, you can find, uh, see our, our Kickstarter, uh, is also on Twitter under starlight comic and Instagram as well. Yeah. You can find me on, um, Twitter with, which I'm terrible at and I have a hard time with, which is webworks W E B B W E R X are on Facebook as Travis ray web arabe web r there's an r in there it has pictures of starlight over it and then did we already give the starlight kickstarter.com a shout out no we did not so oh yeah go go there to, to to help out even if you just donate a dollar or just talk about our comic on social media that helps us and there's a really cute video where you can see us looking ridiculous <laughs> it's true we do and you'll never be able to say reward ever again <laughs> <laughs> awards i mean you know it's 
it's us. It's it's totally us. It, how how we are in real person in real life. It's not us acting. It's just us being us. <laughs> um, uh, also, uh, go to our. We have a Kickstarter or not a, a Starlight Facebook page. So mm-hmm. you can find that Starlight on Facebook. Yeah, we own StarlightComicBook.com. Yeah, yeah. Which has a really cool banner that I'm really proud of. And if if uh, later this week you get a chance to listen to our podcast and you like it and you're like, oh, hey, that sounds really cool. I want to be a guest. There is a Kickstarter tier, an awards tier. I didn't say reward. Award. No, darn it. I messed it up. A reward. <laughs> Anyways, there's a tier and you can be a guest on our on our podcast and talk to the to, to whoever we have as a guest also and you could be a gunslinger with the rest of us bring out that six shooting narrative capability (laughs) (laughs) oh man and as uh you know we were talking about the social medias earlier uh greg do you want to talk about some of the shenanigans you've been doing on the on the socials of late there's like photo recreation challenges there's like uh head shave challenges what uh what are you doing out there so so today right after we get done recording uh i'm doing the photo recreation of my 1995 high school um photo uh i'm gonna don all the denim that i can find in the closet actually i i think i literally have almost an identical recreation of the same outfit i wore uh in my high school photo um, <laughs> and uh, i will do that before i get my head shaved if we hit uh uh, 158 backers today that's the goal we're not going for a dollar amount uh, so we're going for a number amount we're hoping to get backers in the number of 50 backers by the end of the day um, but uh, yeah doing uh, doing a lot of just we're, we're just trying to have fun uh, doing some goofy things uh, as uh, as Tiger King has become a, uh, a thing in our social uh, mind hive uh, people people like it i have don the and he is joe exotic i am greg psychotic the <laughs> King, uh, with all my yorkies that we have in the house um yes we have a few um i am uh taking photos dressed up as a as a uh as a yorkie king <laughs> nice <laughs> um well, so that's that's awesome. I, I I love it. Way to way to keep the social media social there. That that's awesome, Greg. It's it seems to be working. I just watched the Kickstarter go up a little bit. So <laughs> even oh, yeah, <laughs> so it's working, it's and we haven't even released the podcast yet. <laughs> Perfect. I know. I so love if it. If you're listening to this and it's and you are you're 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 on the fence, do it. Who knows what else could happen? We might have other things. There could be Travis might do something crazy, wild and zany. You never know. It's a I mean, that, it's that would not be. It'd be hard for me to really go crazy out of any considering who I was. I know. Um, it's not out of the norm. <laughs> I point out that the one thing about this Kickstarter that it has taught me is I think I, I, I don't leave a lap. I walk around with my laptop and I hit refresh every five seconds. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Come on. We got to do it. We got to hit our goal. It's it's one of those things. You set up these little these little goals for yourself for the day, whatever it is. If it's a if it's a backer number, if it's a dollar amount, and it, it's 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 like the worst video game ever, uh, because it just causes so much anxiety and stress. And we're already in a stressful stress stress situation. But it's so nice to have Brett. He's such a cheerleader. He's so, like he's like you guys are killing it. You guys are doing a great job. And it's like <laughs> he comes out of nowhere. 
<laughs> oh wow, I just saw I just saw how great you guys are doing. It's you guys are just you guys are smashing it. And Travis started just like sweating because like he's doing he's doing the live the live things because he's he's doing the live check ins and the yeah. updates and stuff like that. And I'm just doing all the weird posts and the two of us together tag teaming all day long. It's just like it's exhausting for both of us, you know. And we're high energy dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I feel yeah, that's awesome. Well, uh, so before uh, before we part ways for now, I mean, this has been a blast, by the way. I mean, I I'm sure we could talk for for many, many, many more hours. But I I guess one of my uh, New Year's resolutions is I'm trying to trying to keep my episodes shorter, and I'm already starting to fail. So, but um, but no, no, this is awesome. You, uh, uh, it's been great getting to know you, Travis and uh, Greg. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, before we part ways for now, any other projects that you guys want to uh shout out because i i know you got uh several irons and several fires um any other projects you want to mention and or any other particular shout outs uh you want to give uh on wax here before uh before we go our separate ways uh, i had someone i forgot him just i blanked out He's on the spot. Uh, let's see. I, I'll, I'll say, um, as uh, as you interviewed me last time at the shop at the Retro Emporium down in Kent, uh, as as currently we are closed indefinitely for, for the time being, uh, we've moved everything on our Facebook page that we can. We have links uh, to an Etsy site and onto an eBay site. So if you are looking for a retro fix to uh, get you through this dark time as we are all in and you need some some fun in your day uh just go on to the to the retro emporium kent facebook page and check out what is available on the etsy page or the ebay listings and uh check out their instagram because my wife is continually updating daily that'll give her something to do <laughs> she's <laughs> she's she's been she's been posting up some fun stuff we're gonna do some uh some mad libs and stuff like that uh for folks and uh get some get some interactions with people she's been she's it, since we closed the store she hasn't had her had her, had her fix of people so she's kind of she's kind of like oh i'm home yeah <laughs> uh, i was just gonna say like uh, i was trying to think of a specific thing but um you know if you just go to kickstarter right now to the comic book and illustration section I mean, right now, the best comics, since since we started doing this, especially I've noticed this, mm -hmm. the most original stuff's coming out with these Kickstarter artists right now. Like, yeah. the stuff that's coming out of Kickstarter feels like old, old Vertigo days. Yeah, like, There's yeah. some really great stuff coming out of this community. So if you haven't already, even if you're not interested in our project, go to Kickstarter, check out the comics and illustration area. There is so much diversity, so much original material coming out of that area. And I think it just I just think that when this is over, what we're going through today, this is this is definitely a, a way for comics to continue without something like Diamond. Digital copies are great. They're two to four dollars for everybody. And you can put them right on your reader. And these things are just going nonstop. And they're, they're amazing. It's true. And, and just with just people's just massive amounts of creativity going on right now. It's just, uh, even with, you know, with Kickstarters and with, with being, you know, podcasting and throwing music out there, uh, we just have where we might be in some, in some dark quote unquote dark times, but we have so much, so much stuff. The arts is so, so important and it's saving so many people's days. So yeah. um, we're so thankful for that. 
Well, and I and I think with that, uh, you know, thanks to the internet, it, it feels like, and and follow me here for for a quick second. It feels like even though we're uh, socially distancing, um, a lot of us sheltering in place, a lot of us straight up quarantined. It feels like uh, through platforms like this, like uh, us talking now, it almost feels like we're more connected than we were prior to the outbreak and the pandemic. Uh, you know, it's like there there isn't a day that goes by that there isn't some viral video of people doing like Zoom conferencing with like, you know, a couple dozen high school students uh, performing band practice or, you know, the, these new ways of connecting that we didn't really think of uh, prior to just a month ago when when the world was uh, was a different place and we were just uh, um, excited for the next Comic-Con coming up. It's 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 fascinating. Oh, yeah. Just taking a couple of minutes and, and just connecting with people that you don't connect to uh, on the daily normally and giving yourself that that couple of minutes to check in on on a friend or a relative is is, is actually just like very. I don't know, enlightening in one sense. And then also too, in other projects, I know that the junior Braves team, we've taken some time and we've taken Skype phone calls from, from readers who are stuck at home. You know, mm-hmm. we have a lot of kids that read our books and just being able to host that for them and give them that ability to ask us questions and, and talk to us. And they, it's just amazing to, to see how excited they are because they're so used to being in a school setting. And then being stuck at home, it's, it's kind of boring. And then they get that opportunity to like, you know, ask questions and, and, and talk to somebody that Mm -hmm. has a different knowledge set than what they're used to, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So it's, I don't know we're it's, we're given this opportunity. We might as well take it and whatever, whatever, uh, whatever function we can do it. So if it's learn something, learn something, if it's do something, do something, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, make your, make your days worth it. Well said. And on that note, uh, thanks so much for taking the time. Any uh, any parting thoughts, anything that uh, um, as as we do the the final 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 for realies uh, uh, goodbyes this time, any uh, any parting words? I need more coffee. <laughs> you had all the coffee and now I gotta it's go done. make another pot there it is there it is all right guys all well this coffee. this has been an absolute blast uh congratulations on the success of the kickstarter so far i wish you all the best of luck uh going forward up until uh the uh the end of april and uh, and of course and beyond um again thanks uh thanks a bunch for taking the time this is a lot of fun thank you thanks for having us you're welcome, and we'll uh, we'll chat again uh, somewhere down the way. I'm I have no doubt. <laughs> and that will do it for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you want to listen to our past shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Like, share, rate, and review the show. Let us know what you like and what you'd like to hear in the future. Mike Seibert Radio is produced by Dave Sanders for Mike Seibert Radio. My name is Mike, and until next time, wash your hands and make good choices. You've been listening to the Mike Seibert Radio Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching at Mike Seibert Radio. Email us at MikeSeibertRadio at gmail.com. The spelling on that, of course, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T. Call into the voicemail hotline at 231-224-MIKE. 
Once again, that's 231-224-6453. Special thanks to Michael Geisler for our theme music. For more like it, check out ByDoorMusic.com. This has been a Mike Seibert Radio Production. Like, sorry, I got the report. Like, no, it's cool. I was watching Tiger King. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. See, it all comes back around to Tiger King. <laughs> I always gonna come back it's, to Tiger King. It's, it's part of our society now. It's where we live. We live with the king. The I wonder if anybody king. like restarted their Netflix accounts just because they were like, "What are these memes?" <laughs> I gotta know. Which reminds me, I have them on the last episode. So as soon as I hang up with you guys, I'm gonna finish it up. Oh, you're on the last episode. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, I just uh, the show we just finished watching, or like series that we just caught up on, was yeah. uh, Prodigal Son. Have you guys watched that? Prodigal I, Son. I I watched the first few episodes and then dipped. I I think uh, I I think Michael Sheen was a little too hammy for for my taste. It was, it was oh kind- yeah, he's super hammy. But it's it, but I, it was one of those ones where it's like you know what I got nothing better to do the other day, so let's just shoot through them, and we're like. Eh, got two more episodes before before it's like wrapped up for whatever you know until the yeah episodes. yeah it was it was it was it was fun yeah i mean Again. i i i i think i went into it looking for uh maybe hannibal and got diet yeah. hannibal i i got store brand hannibal and i'm just like oh. <laughs> Dr. Thunder, ew. <laughs> Store brand Hannibal. Oh my God. I'm, I'm going to use that. Please feel free. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dodge out because I really want to go see the last episode. Yeah, I, I feel right, there. the last episode. Yeah, uh, uh, spo- spoiler she uh, feeds the dude to the tiger. <laughs> 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 I knew it. Or something. I don't know. She does? 